Good morning, Gateway Church. If you would, let's stand this morning. You know, normally uh, we got the A team up here, and then if they don't, they're not here, we got the B team. Well, today you're stuck with the C team this morning. So just pray for us. Uh, we kind of found this out first service, but uh, we're here to worship God no matter what. Amen. <clears throat>
that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone Lord, we thank you Jesus in your presence Lord Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit you are Pray. 
and I've come with my agenda I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough so take me back to where we've started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy First Kings, we read of a story where Elijah was running and he ran to a cave. It says that he came out and he was waiting on God and said that there was wind, a mighty wind that came, and it said God wasn't in the wind. So there was an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. There was fire, but God wasn't in the fire. But the Bible tells us that it was just a still, small voice. When I hear this song, I begin to, to think about how important that it is that we have those moments with God. You know, our life gets so busy, and, and we keep asking God, where are you? And, and we're looking for this miraculous sign sometimes God just wants us to sit at his feet 
asking him for nothing. Saying, God, I'm just here. I'm not here for a blessing. I'm just here because I want to bless you. I want to worship you. I want to get caught up in this moment. Worshiping the one who sent his son to die on the cross for me. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have those moments built into your day where you can just sit at His feet, I can promise you, if you will take the time just to sit at His feet, whether it be with worship music or with your Bible, or, and just allow Him to speak to your heart, it will change your life. Sometimes we just need to get caught up in the moment. The moment where it's just you and God. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that we have the ability. Father, that you allow us just to come and sit at your feet. And God, I pray that it, you will help us to understand and realize the importance of worshiping you. Father, I pray that as we go into your word today, God, that you will let it be a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. God, I pray that you will allow us to hear what it is that you would speak to us today. Father, may we leave here changed forever. God, we love you. We worship you. God, I thank you for those who continually give. God, to help us make a difference through their faithfulness. Father, I pray that as we continue to worship you with our tithes and our offerings, God, that you will see it as that. God, not out of ritual, not out of routine, but God, we do it as love. Father, I pray that you will continue to use us to show this community there's a God that loves them there's a church that cares in the name of Jesus we pray and ask everyone said amen and amen I want to um, I want to make you uh, aware of a couple of things next week August 22nd we are um, having a growth track. And you say, what is that? That is uh, a time that, that we can get together as church family. And we, um, if you're new here, we uh, need to, we just want to meet you. Uh, there's people, especially over the summer, people have been in and out. And, and it's our goal to, to allow you to see and to know what it is that, uh, that Gateway is all about. And uh, so on August 22nd, next Sunday, uh, at 5 o'clock, uh, we'll have food for you and uh, we'll have child care if you need that. But we need you to, uh, we, we would like for you to come join us. Uh, some of you have been with us for a long time and you still haven't come listen to me and, and ramble on about uh, uh, what Gateway is all about. And uh, we just want that opportunity and uh, so I would pray and ask that you would consider doing that. That's August the 22nd, which is next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Uh, we will be meeting here at the church. Uh, second thing, 
September 12th. How many football fans do we have? Anybody so-so? How many, how many fans of food do we have? Oh, now we're getting... Um, so, uh, we uh, have two things that uh, are going to take place on September 12th. Uh, it is the uh, opening Sunday of the NFL, and so a long time ago, uh, we started um, doing a uh, game day. And what that is, is just we come together, we wear, you know, jerseys of our favorite teams, or if you don't have a favorite team, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, but we get together, and, and we'll go out back here, and we'll have uh, some food and, and some uh, cornhole and all those things, like a big tailgate party. And uh, we're going to do that, and then we'll have football uh, down there. And it's just a time, and especially now that we've went to two services, it's a time that maybe you can see some faces that come to the first service that you've never seen before. And maybe some of those people from the first service will be able to see your face that they've never seen before. Uh, that was the goal when we went to two services. Uh, we had very specific reasons for doing that, and um, they, they weren't COVID-related. Uh, we were planning on doing two services to, to start with before COVID ever hit. And... Um, but with that, we understand the importance of being able to still be one church. And uh, we can do that through uh, life groups and through fellowships such as this. Uh, so I would encourage you. Uh, now, I told the first service that, because they're trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? If we're here first service, we're not going to start till after second service. Uh, we told them that um, they could help us set up. So if we've got anybody who likes to set up, you can come to first service that week. And uh, you can lug tables and chairs and uh, do all that. How many people, how many people are going to come to first service that week? That's what I thought. Nobody. Um, can you fix this? Um, we, um, uh, we are looking forward to that. And we didn't get to do it last year. And we are so excited about uh, just being able to, to get back to life a little bit normal. Speaking of getting back to life, how many people went back to school this week? How many people were going this coming week? All my Russell kids. How many people, um, uh, do we have any Boyd County people here? All right, so you get like extra time, right? You're not going, how many homeschoolers do we have? You people are bad because I know you make your kids do school all year long. Um, it's like, you know, no summer break for you. Um, but we are, uh, uh, summer is coming to an end, and I know that there's people that uh, they're trying to squeeze in that last uh, moment, the last weekend of, of getaway, and because it's coming. Um, if you know anything about Gateway, you know that we value our students. Um, as a matter of fact, when Gateway was started, one of the key components was we wanted to create a place where young people wanted to come. We wanted to come a place to, to create a, a place where they felt valued, where they felt like they were a part. Uh, so. Pastor Rick had been in youth ministry earlier in his uh, ministry. I was currently youth pastoring at, at the time, and, and we were at a church where we were, we were running over 100 youth every, for our midweek service. And so when we stepped out to Plant Gateway Church, we did so with the philosophy that students matter. We, we did so with the philosophy of thinking, listen, there's a war between generations and the devil. There's a war that's being, weigh, uh, that's being waged. And it started really in the Garden of Eden. If you think about it, in Genesis chapter 2, there was the enemy, and he, and he starts trying to pull people away from God. He goes to Adam and Eve, and, and he tempts them, and, and they fall. And he starts to pull them away from, from God. And, and when this happened, it made God angry. And he cursed the serpent. 
And then in Genesis chapter 3, we read that God said this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Here we realize and see there's going to be a war that takes place. And it's going to come from generations and the devil. There's going to be a war. And God is saying these kids are going to crush your head. And so over the period of time, every generation, I believe that God has raised up a generation to crush the devil's head. But I also know that the enemy wants to stop that from happening. The enemy says, well, God, if that's your plan, then before this can happen, before they can ever get to me, I want to stop them. And that's why you see the devil working so hard, our enemy, to stop our students and our kids. That's why in the Old Testament, the enemy knew that there was a deliverer coming. He knew that, that there was one coming, so he put it into the heart of, of, of Pharaoh to kill all the kids. And we know the story of how Moses was rescued and saved because God had a plan. In the New Testament, in Jesus' day, the enemy knew that there was a Savior coming. One that would redeem the world, that would change all of eternity for mankind. And so we put it into the heart of Herod to murder all the babies. And so we, we see throughout the Bible, and it's continued through time, how the enemy tries to destroy every generation. And this morning, I want you to know that's why we have to understand and realize that we have to fight. We have to fight. Our kids, our students, do not have to fall prey to the enemy and his tactics. God's raising up a generation who can crush the enemy's head. And that's why the devil fights so hard to destroy families. Because if the family unit is destroyed, it affects everyone. If the family unit is destroyed, it affects our kids, our students. Listen, when, when I became a father, there were three things that I wanted to see and I wanted to take place in my daughter's life. The first thing that I always prayed was, God, help her love you. I wanted her to love God. The second thing was I wanted her to love us. I wanted her to love her family. And thirdly, I wanted her to love the church. And as you sit here this morning, I, I would pray that that would be your same goal for your kids. Teach them to love God, to love their family, and to love this church. We have to fight for this generation. I mean, think about the struggles you had growing up. The devil was always trying to destroy you. He, he was always making a play for you. You were trying to serve God, but, but there was always the, the enemy. He was always there lurking. And now today, our kids face that on a whole different level. I mean, when we wanted to sin growing up, we had to go looking for it. Okay? Today, it's in, right in front of them every moment. Through technology and everything that they have access to, sin is so easily accessible. And then we start thinking. We start thinking about, well, if it's this bad now, what's it going to be like in five years? What's it going to be like in ten years? What's it going to be like in fifteen years? 
Sometimes we can look at that and we can become afraid. But you don't have to be afraid. Nehemiah chapter 4, 14 tells us this. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. God said, we've got to stand up. We have to fight. We are in a war. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether we want to be or not, we are in a battle for this generation, for our families. And anytime that anyone is going to war, one of the most important things is to have a plan. One of the most important things is, is to have a plan of how you're going to attack, the steps you're going to take to win this war. And in order to win this war, we have to have a plan. And so today, for a few moments, I want to give you four things. Four principles to winning the battle for this generation. Four things that I believe that if we will do in our lives and in the lives of our family, will help us win this war. I want to share these for several reasons. The first reason is, is because I want you to help me fight for our kids. As you raise your children or you raise your grandchildren, I believe that if you will lead them through these four things, we can win this battle. Some of you may be sitting here and you may hear these four things and say, man, I need those in my life. And I believe it will work that way as well. The first thing, the first principle that we must realize and we must do is we have to have right relationships. Right relationships. One of the most important decisions of your entire life are the friends you choose to be and allow in your life. You are the sum total of your relationships, no matter the age. If I were to ask you, tell me the last ten sermons you have heard, how many people could do that? If I were to ask you what you heard last week, how many people could do that? Probably the guy who preached it. But on the other hand, if I were to say, tell me ten people who have affected your life, either good or bad, and write them down for me, you could do that. Why is that? Because your life is not shaped by the information that comes your way. Your life is shaped by relationships. And that's why that we stress life groups. That's why that we understand and know that it's relationships that changes lives for the good or for the bad. You have to come to a point in your life that, that, you, that, that you're doing more than just coming to a gathering where you can stay anonymous. One of the most important decisions in your life are relationships. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now listen, I know growing up, every time my sister did something wrong, now I'm using her as an example because I was a perfect child, and because she's not here. But if she were here, she would tell you this same story. And because she's watching, I'll probably embellish it maybe a little bit. 
But every time that she did something wrong, every time that she got in trouble, do you know who was involved? Fools. Bad friends. Why did she fall? Because she was around the wrong people. One thing that we've told our daughter, there's not a lot of battles that we, you know, as a parent, you decide which battles or which hills are worth dying on. Well, there's a hill that I will die on. And it comes to where she goes and who she goes with. And there may be times that, that we have to look or you have to look at your child and say, you're not going. You're not going there. You're not going to their world. Now, if you want to bring them to our world, that's okay. Absolutely. You can bring them to church, you can bring them to the house, but you're just not going there. You're not hanging around a bunch of, I mean, they said it, fools. And I know that that, that, that creates some tension. And I've got, like, students staring at me right now because I sound like an old person. But there's a saying, I didn't coin it, I wish I would have, but it says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And being in ministry for longer than I want to admit, I've watched it over and over and over again. As a youth pastor for longer than I want to admit, I watched students who were on fire for God, and then they met that special boy or special girl who wasn't. And the next thing you know, they're suffering harm. Right relationships makes all the difference in the world. That's why th- that we have Wednesday night here for our middle school and high school students because we want them to be in the right place, developing relationships with the right kind of people. We, we want them to understand the importance. That's why that we have a vibrant kids ministry on Sunday mornings because we want them to understand how important that having right relationships are. I'll take it just one step farther. One of the best decisions that you as parents can make for your kids is go to church. Go to church. Not just when you're free. You say, well, that's awful convenient, Pastor. You're telling me not to miss. Listen, it makes a difference. When they see that commitment, and I've told this story before, I can remember, I didn't play baseball for my high school team because I didn't, I just didn't play. Um, I was going to say I didn't like the coach, but uh, he might be watching. Um, I just said it, didn't I? Um, But my senior year, I decided I'm going to play. And so I had to start from ground level. I mean, I was like third string. And here I am in practice, and I'm, I'm trying to make an impression And the coach had just told me, you're starting Saturday. Wednesday night, we're at practice. I see my mom, my dad, pull up. Practice wasn't over. I knew what that meant. They had done told me, you're going to church. So I had to go to the coach and say, listen, I got to go. I'm going to church. Now, was I happy about it right then? Absolutely not. Am I thankful for it today? Absolutely. 
Why? Because they were instilling in me the importance of being around the right people. Psalms chapter 92, verse 12 through 15 puts it this way. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. This is saying if you will plant yourself in the house of God, if you will commit to the house of God, if you'll show your kids the importance of the house of God, that they'll flourish in their old age, that they'll be planted, that they'll bear fruit. It's important. So we have to make the right decisions when it comes to relationships, helping our kids have the right relationships, us as parents having the right relationships. The second thing that we need to do is we need to help find their God-given design. You see, everyone is living based on a set of beliefs about yourself. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't have the right idea. The idea about ourselves has been shaped by our past, by our mistakes, by our problems, by our bad relationships. And you're living out a script in your life because we're all doing that. But we're living out a script that's not God's script. You're playing out your life and allowing your life to play out using a wrong script. But the problem is, is that most people do not know what God's script is. They do not understand God's plan for their life. And that the plan that He has for you, the plan that He has for me, and the plan that He has for our uh, kids is so much better than the plan that we have for ourselves. There is a God-given design. And it's different for all of us. How many people have more than one child? Okay. Let's think about your two kids. Now, I, I just have one, so... This doesn't apply to me, but think about your two kids. How different are they? I mean, I talk to a lot of parents, or I see, and I realize that, you know, you've got that one kid that's smart, that, that sits in front and wants to do all their homework and get it all done, and then you've got the other one who you are just, you're doing their homework for them. You're having to, to, to say, here, just give it to me, let me do it. Especially during virtual and homeschool, right? Just like, just get it over with. I don't even care. Driving me crazy. We're all different, but we all have a God-given script. Unfortunately, a lot of the scripts that we're living out in our life is not based on God's script, but it's, and not even what we think about ourselves, but it's what others think about us. And can I tell you that knowing God's purpose will silence people's opinions? Because when you know your purpose, when you figure out your God-given design, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what they think. You know why you were put on this planet. And if you can help your student or even yourself find God-given design, it will change your life. In the book of Acts, chapter 17... Paul begins to, to use this argument, and, he, and he's talking to, to a bunch of intellectuals. 
And he's talking to them because they had been worshiping what they called an unknown God. And this is what he tells them. He says, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in the history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of you own poets have said, we are his offspring. So what he's saying, he's telling them, listen, God put you in this time. He put you in this place. Why? So that you would seek him. So that you would try to to find out and and draw near to him. So that you could find what plan that he has for your life. When you look at your life, God chose you to live in 2021 in this tri-state area. Why? Because he's got a plan for your life. How are you going to find it? By seeking him. So many times we're trying to find the answers to to the questions of life without seeking Him. You'll never get the answers to the questions that you're asking in your life until you seek God. You'll never get the answers to the questions in your life until you go to the one who wrote the book on your life. Quit trying to figure it out yourself because your answers are going to be wrong. Figure out, seek God, sit at His feet, Find out what He designed you for. Once again, that's why we do growth track. Because in that growth track, we begin to try to to identify your passion, identify your gifts, your abilities, helping you find your design. Why is it so important? I'm glad you asked. It's important because of step number three. The third thing that we must do Third thing, we must teach our kids and model for our kids and for the people around us. We have to learn to put others first. We live in a selfie generation. Now, I asked this question first service, and I think I had one person raise their hand. I think it's just because they felt bad that nobody else did. I mean, I knew the answer because most people in first service still have flip phones. But... um. <clears throat> How many people have already taken a selfie this morning? Come on, don't lie. If you don't raise your hand, you're going to be at this altar. I read a statistic. Thank you, Adam. I I used to take selfies until I realized there is no place I can put that camera, no angle I can hold at it that makes me look any better. So I'm done with it, okay? Usually I look like I got three chins and uh, I'm like, nope, that ain't going. But we live in a generation, a selfie generation, obsessed with self. One of the greatest principles that you can teach your kids or that you can model for them is to put others first. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. How different would our world be if we could live out these verses? How different? We live in a, in a generation that, it's, that, that we're just naturally selfish. Kids are natural. We are born selfish. You've never 
had to teach your children to stop sharing. It's always mine, 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 right? I had it first. Mommy, Daddy. I mean, have you ever been talking to someone and, and you're having this conversation and, and in the corner of your eye you see somebody come up and they're standing there like this and they're wanting to talk to you and then they start to talk and it's like, can you not see I'm having a conversation? Sometimes your kids will do it, right? And you're talking to someone and you're, you're in this conversation and they come up and you can see them and then they, they just start touching you. It's like, hey, why is that? Because they think what they have to say is more important than what you're doing. A lot of times we make our lives all about us. And when you do that, you'll be miserable. Scientists say that there's endorphins that, that are released that create joy when you do for others. I mean, think about it. When you do something, when you put somebody else first, it does give you joy. You're happy to see. And, and there's scientific evidence that says that you can find joy by putting others first. Albert Einstein said, only a life lived for others is a life worth living. Only a life lived for others is a life worth living. Living my life to serve others first. Serve, serve, serve. Once you start modeling that in front of your kids, they begin to see that and say, hey, I need to be like that. Your kids are watching. They're watching. And if they're going to win this war, we've got to learn to put others first. Lastly, authentic faith. We have to display authentic faith. There is such a thing as inauthentic faith. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 15. Verses 8 and 9 when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. It's easy to, to come to church because you're supposed to. To go through the motions. To follow all the teachings, but not know the person behind it. Not really know Jesus. We stress around here that Christianity is, is, is a relationship. It's not a religion. It's knowing the one who gave his life for you. Parents, you can't be perfect. But one thing you can do is you can model that you love God and that that love is authentic, genuine love for God. That's how I came to the faith. It's how I became a believer at the age of nine. My parents had modeled it for me. Were they perfect? No. But there was one thing that I knew. I knew that they loved God. They loved God. I can remember, and I can tell you story after story, you know, of how that they modeled that for me. And how that it made such an impression on me. Their commitment. Their love. 
never saying a bad word about anyone that I heard. Modeling love. You might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, well, I don't have that godly parent. I didn't have that advantage or I don't have it now. If you didn't have that godly parent and you're here today through the grace of God, then if you want to help us win this fight, then you start modeling it. An authentic faith. A faith that's real. God has placed you where you are through His grace, through His mercy to help win this fight, to win this battle. Parents, it's so important. It's so important that your kids know that it's not about the rules and the regulations, but it's about the relationship. It's about having a commitment, an authentic faith. Your kids need to see you come out of the prayer closet. Never forget a story that a young girl, probably three or four years old, she was talking about the closet, and she said, that's where my daddy goes to pray. Your kids need to see it. They need to see authentic faith they need to see a commitment that you're more committed to God to his work than anything else because the Bible tells us very clearly that when you do that you'll flourish that they will flourish there's nothing I want more in my family's life Than the flourish and make a difference. These four things having right relationships, finding our God given design, putting others first, and then just simply being real. Are you going to have bad days that you yell at your kids and have to go back and apologize? guarantee it just be real and teach them listen one thing we have to realize as as, as parents grandparents that it's the church's responsibility to help support you but it's not the church's responsibility solely to teach your kids about Christ the church is here to help supplement to help model it but it has to start at home it has to they may be here at church a couple hours a week start subtracting and figuring or start adding up multiplying how many hours there are in a week They're with you a whole lot more. They're with their friends a whole lot more than they're here. They have to have that foundation. It's our responsibility, mine included, for my family to 
teach them, to pray for them. That's what we're gonna, how we're going to close this service. I've asked. Uh, they've been really good. I haven't heard them back there. I hope they're listening. We're going to ask all of our students, all of our teachers to come down front. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to pray over you. We're going to pray because we understand that you are on the front line. You are faced with things every day that are so much greater than anything that we ever faced. And we're going to believe for God's blessing, for his protection, and that God will use them to reach their classmates because it's important. So I'm going to ask them to come. We're getting ready to be invaded. Yes, you can come on. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And then if you're a student, if you're a teacher, you don't want to miss this prayer. I'm going to ask you to come down. many people knew there was this many kids downstairs anybody know that listen you people out there are outnumbered means you've got a whole lot of praying to do So that I'm going to ask if some of our prayer team can get in behind and um, ask Pastor Rick to come and Aaron and you got to stay up there, sorry. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for God's protection during this school year and for his blessing. And that God will use them use you guys to be his hands and his feet help me pray father i come before you this morning god i am so thankful god i'm so thankful for the students that you've placed in our care god for the families and for the teachers god as we stand here on this Sunday morning God I pray for your hedge of protection around them God that you will protect them from the attempts of the enemy God we know that he is roaming around like a lion trying to devour destroy our students our families God, I pray that you will just protect them. Father, I pray that you will bless them. God, that you will help them as they go to school or as they teach children. God, you will help them to, to be your hands and to be your feet. God, when the enemy comes against them, Father, give them the courage to stand up and to say no. Give them the courage to say and to tell about the God that they serve. Father, I pray for us as a 
church. God, that you will help us. God, as parents, help us to model, to be an example for our kids, for our community. God, I pray that when the enemy attacks, that you raise up a standard against him. Father, I pray for this school year. God, start a revival. God, let it start here. Let it start in our homes. God, let it spill over to our church. God, let it spill over to our schools and to our community. God, we understand that we're in a war. And God, the only way that we're going to win this war is if we fight. And we stand on your word. God, help us. In the name of Jesus. While they're standing here, let's just close in this course. Nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, and nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Jesus you don't owe me anything and more than anything that you can do I just want you I just want you nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do isn't this awesome I want to thank you for being here today. If you have a student up here that you normally pick up downstairs, you can feel free to uh, to get them from here. And um, that'll keep us from having to corral them. Uh, we'll stand at the back door to make sure nobody gets out without a parent, okay? Uh, so if you want to try to let them leave, you know, and get away from you, it's not going to happen. You have to take them. We love you. Please, if you haven't signed up for Growth Track, go to thegate.life, sign up. And I know who you are. So if you haven't signed up by, say, Tuesday or Wednesday, you're going to be getting a phone call, maybe a visit, uh, saying, do this or else. I don't know. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Uh, Get your kids. Love them.